Think again with Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10am on 3CR Community Radio, 855am on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us, like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. Welcome to our 108th program of Think Again. Think Again is presented to you by Borderlands Cooperative, an organisation dedicated to social change for over 23 years. I'm Jennifer Burrell and I'm your host today. We don't have Jacques with us, but I do have Andrea Lux on the line, who is the Head of Policy at the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service. Welcome to the program, Andrea. Thank you very much for having me. It's a real pleasure. We're very um, so we're very privileged to have you with us um, today. I think, Andrea, because you're going to help us understand what's going on with a U United Nations anti-torture protocol that Australia has signed, but seems to be dragging its feet on implementing. The full name of the protocol is it's quite wordy: United Nations Optional Protocol to the Convention Against Torture, or OPCAT for short. So with all the focus on COVID, it seems to have really gone below the radar, unfortunately, but it's extremely important and it deserves our pretty urgent attention, I think. So firstly, Andrea, can you just tell us a bit about the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service and what it does and what you do? So the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service is a culturally safe legal service um, serving the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities across Victoria. Um, and I'm very privileged to be able to work there uh, as the Head of Policy, Communications and Strategy. The sort of services that VALS offers um, are clearly, you know, legal services that are across criminal law, family law and civil law, but we also um, have some really important uh, community justice programs that we deliver as well, particularly the Custody Notification Service, which was a recommendation from the Royal Commission into Aboriginal deaths in custody 30 years ago. It's the 30-year anniversary this year. Um, and the purpose of that service is whenever an Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander person is taken into custody, um, the police are required to call the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service and our staff conduct a welfare check to make sure that um, Aboriginal people who are in custody, uh, their rights are protected and they're kept safe um, and well while they're in custody. Mm. So it's obviously a pretty vital service, uh, Andrea. Mm. Absolutely. So then can you explain for us uh, the United Nations Protocol Against Torture, known as OPCAT? Um, what is it meant to achieve and why is it important for us to get on board with it? So in 2017, Australia um, made a commitment uh, voluntarily. We've signed on to, to, to take on this obligation um, to set up... Uh, a system of detention uh, oversight bodies across Australia, 
We're coming up to the deadline now. It's January 2022. And the objective of, of these detention oversight bodies is to undertake regular visits to um, all places where people uh, may be deprived of their liberty. So that's actually quite broad. It covers, um, I suppose, the things that would come to mind um, in the first instance. So prisons, youth detention facilities, uh, police custody. So that's both police cells and police vehicles. But it's actually really broad. And in other countries, detention oversight bodies also um, undertake visits to places where children are held, um, uh, sort of kept in out-of-home care facilities, mental health facilities. Um, aged care facilities. So it has a really broad, mm. um, it's a really uh, broad mandate. It's a really important opportunity to protect um, people from torture and other cruel, inhuman or degrading treatment mm. or punishment. Um, and it's it's a two-tiered system that, that's set up under OPCAT. There's, I've spoken to the obligations to set up this this system of detention oversight bodies across Australia, but there's also a UN body called the Subcommittee um, for the Prevention of Torture, and they they visit um, countries that have ratified OPCAT, and they were actually supposed to visit Australia last year, but because of COVID, mm-hmm. um, their their visit was was postponed. Um, and I guess bringing it to the you know the second part of your question, why is it important for us to get on board? Um, I don't think anyone would disagree with. The, the fact that it's absolutely critical to prevent torture mm. and other cruel, inhuman or degrading treatment of, or punishment of people who are detained. Yeah. And what's really important about OPCAT is it very much focuses on prevention. So it's an opportunity to have experts going into prisons, mm-hmm. identifying what the risks are for torture and ill treatment and making expert recommendations to the government on how to mitigate those risks. Yeah, well, it's almost like uh, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't we want to get behind um, um, a, a protocol that prevents torture and inhumane treatment? Why wouldn't we get want to get behind it? Mm. So um, on that note, we'll go to some music. Um, Stand up by Blue King Brown, and we'll continue our conversation after that.
Listening to Think Again 3CR 855 AM on your dial. 3CR digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. Today we have Andrea Lux from the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service with us, and she's helping us understand a UN protocol against torture, a really important protocol against torture referred to as OPCAT. And she's, we're talking about the need for Victoria and Australia to really get behind implementing it. So, well, Andrea, it's, um, it is obviously crucial for us to implement this United Nations anti-torture protocol, especially uh, given all the inquiries and royal commissions we've had revealing all the human rights abuses in places of detention in Australia, quite a few of them over the last few years, and not least uh, the abuse of Aboriginal people in prison. So can you tell us a bit about where are we with implementing OPCAT in Australia? Absolutely. There's been um, a whole raft of inquiries and and royal commissions um, into uh, the treatment and conditions in prisons and youth detention facilities. And actually just over the last few weeks in Victoria, we've seen two damning reports being released, one by... IBAC and one by the Victorian Ombudsman, mm-hmm. and um, the the you know for example the report that was uh, released by uh, the Victorian Ombudsman looked at the disciplinary proceedings um, that happen in prison, and there was one you know example of a suicidal mm-hmm. person who was incarcerated was known to have mental health condition, mm-hmm. and they resisted strip searching while they were being moved to. Um, a, a quote-unquote safe cell mm. and during that resistance they struggled um, with prison officers who were attempting to take his clothes off um, and recognising that this person had existing mental health conditions, mm. it was obviously uh, a state in a state of crisis, um, he was still charged with a prison disciplinary offence the next day. So kind of those, those sort of um, situations are happening in in our prisons um, right now as we speak. Mm. So I think these these reports, these recent reports really highlight why we need to have this, uh, these attention oversight mechanisms in place as quickly as possible mm. um, to prevent torture and ill treatment of people in prison. And um, unfortunately, we're not seeing much movement at all in relation to OPCAT in Victoria. So we're now at three and a half years since Australia, again, voluntarily 
signed up to this obligation mm-hmm. and we have six months left to meet this obligation and we saw in the most recent Victorian budget that only 500000 has been allocated over four years to wow. implement um, CAT in Victoria. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's really quite frank. Yeah. It is. It's, it's pocket change. I'm not entirely sure how we mm. can have a robust, um, culturally safe, um, proper implementation of OCAD in Victoria. I think that really demonstrates the lack of commitment by the Victorian government. Yeah. Um, some jurisdictions are ahead of Victoria. Um, Western Australia, for example, has designated those detention oversight bodies. They're called National Preventive Mechanisms. So they've, they've designated their bodies. Um, to undertake visits in prisons. Mm-hmm. At the Commonwealth level, um, the Commonwealth Ombudsman has been designated to undertake um, visits to immigration detention facilities. But in Victoria, it's very unclear where we're up to. There has been you know, no consultation, um, very little transparency around mm-hmm. where we're up to. And what is really critical is for these these bodies, for the MPM to actually achieve this important objective of preventing torture and ill treatment, when it comes to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, um, this MPM in Victoria needs to be culturally safe. Mm. And to properly set this up, there must be you know, robust consultation with Aboriginal organisations such as VOWS, but also more broadly with the Aboriginal communities across Victoria, representative bodies such as mm. the Aboriginal Justice Caucus, Mm. Um, but it doesn't seem like that's kind of a priority and it's it's very unclear where we're up to in Victoria and that's really concerning. And I know, you know, you sort of mentioned at the beginning of of this conversation that that COVID has meant that this is, this um, implementing OPCAT has kind of perhaps fallen away from um, being front and centre. But what we've seen as a result of the pandemic, we've seen a highly restrictive conditions in prisons. For example, um, everyone going into prison is subjected to a 14-day protective quarantine, Mm. which often amounts to solitary confinement um, and has very serious, you know, implications in terms of um, poor mental health outcomes Mm. that can actually persist years and years beyond someone being released from prison. So actually, at this point in time, it's most critical to have these bodies set up, ready to go, to go into these places of detention, to speak to people who are in prison and to find out what's happening to ensure that the rights of of detained people are being upheld. Yeah, and um, who is... I understand there might be a bit of a tussle between federal and state government over um, who's funding it or is it the tussle over who's responsible for it? For setting really, up the it's, independent it's, bodies. Mm. Really, it's, it's both. And um, I guess this is one of the challenges that comes with um, Australia being a federation. So, um, you know, it's it's really a joint responsibility um, between the Commonwealth Government and the Victorian Government. Um, but there does seem to be um, a bit of a sort of standoff in terms of who's going to fund... Um, you know, setting up these these MPMs and the operations of MPMs because obviously Australia has, as the Australian government has signed on to OPCAT mm. um, and then, 
prisons and youth detention facilities, police custody primarily falls under the responsibility of Victoria. Mm. So you can see that really both are responsible for funding it, um, for supporting consultation, supporting ongoing um, operating of, sorry, Mm. the the MPMs. But, um, yeah, there doesn't seem to be... It's hard, again, to know what's happening behind closed doors, but there seems to be a bit of a standoff. Well, they both have to, as you say, they're both responsible and they both have to really be responsible and take responsibility and um, show real commitment because this is really important. And uh, as you say, we don't have much time. Um, But we might just go to a short promo and we can continue talking about it after that. More than 70 innocent refugees are still being indefinitely detained in detention centres and secure hotels around Australia. Over recent months, many fellow detainees have been released onto bridging visas. Those remaining are desperate to know why they are still held. It is indefinite, it is cruel and it is unlawful. Every day a group of supporters protest this brutality outside the Park Hotel at 701 Swanson Street, Melbourne, where 11 men remain trapped and whose hopes are fading and whose mental health is declining. The aim of the protests is to raise awareness of the situation for the general public, but also to show support and solidarity to the men inside. It is also for the approximately 200 refugees still held offshore. Please come along any weeknight at 6pm or weekend at 3pm. You're listening to Think Again, 3CR 855 AM on your dial, 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. Today we have Andrea Lux from the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service <coughs> excuse me, on the line. And she's helping us understand a United Nations anti-torture protocol we've, we've ratified, but we seem to be really dragging our feet on implementing So, Andrea, uh, we obviously need to get our skates on with this. Can you tell us what needs to happen by, I believe, January next year? Well, there's quite a lot that needs to happen um, over the next few months and um, definitely the first step would be to um, have proper, robust consultations with um, relevant stakeholders, so of course that involves um, Aboriginal community controlled organisations, but also um, other uh, organisations working um, in this area, particularly the community legal centre sector. Mm. Um, And really what what the government will need to do is set up legislation. It's really important that we have the, the mandate and the powers of the Detention Oversight Body, the National Preventive Mechanism, enshrined in legislation. And that's, sorry, that's federal government? So, well, that's a really good question um, because one of the, the issues that has been raised is whether the federal government will be um, kind of having a legislative framework around um, OPCAT implementation. It has said that it won't, despite um, that being best practice. Um and it has said that it's going to rely instead on an intergovernmental agreement between all of the jurisdictions. Mm. So now we're in a position where we have to rely on the Victorian government to take leadership in this space and, mm. and set up this legislation. 
um, because we want to make sure that these MPMs, these bodies, can turn up to a prison unannounced mm. and have the right to enter yeah. unobstructed. And so we want to make sure that's in legislation. Mm. And and I guess also that these bodies are independent of government. Absolutely. So independence is very critical. Um, ideally, we would have um, the MPM reporting directly to Parliament mm-hmm. rather than uh, the government, rather than the Minister of Corrections. Um, and we would want to see that enshrined in legislation. And part of independence also requires um, proper funding, of course. Mm. I feel like we always come back to that question of ensuring that it's properly funded so it can mm. actually um, sort of conduct itself in an independent um, and effective manner. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, in terms of the next steps, it's definitely consultation. It's setting up legislation. It's... Um, ensuring that the, the body is properly funded and there's not very much time to do all of this at all um, mm. with only a few months left. And I think that um, it is highly concerning that, that the deadline is looming. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, there's there's some issues that definitely need to be addressed um, as soon as possible. So, for example, the, the Commonwealth Government has said that you know, we'll, we'll roll out OPCAT in, um, I suppose, a staged way. And one of the areas that they um, didn't want to include in that sort of first stage is places where people are detained for less than 24 hours. Really? Mm. Um, which would exclude when people are first taken into police custody. Mm. And research has shown internationally that actually the highest risk of torture is not imprisoned, it's in police custody when people are first arrested and detained. So those sort of issues, I think, really need to be discussed transparently by the Victorian government. I want to see the government really committing to um, ensuring that those sort of um, exclusions aren't aren't included in, um, in the system here. Yeah, there's obviously no good faith reason for such an exclusion at all. No, and it's also legally... Incorrect. Um, no other nation that has ratified OPCAT has taken that approach. Um, yeah. It's entirely just a, a decision by the Commonwealth government. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's almost like saying, you know, we'll we'll get behind it, but we'll take all the teeth out. You know, they, when they talk about a toothless tiger, um, I suppose the first thing is don't plan for it, don't fund it, and then when it's put in place, uh, have a lot of exclusions so that it's minimally effective yeah well hopefully it won't go that way (laughs) yeah and i suppose this is why we're really um advocating for for more transparency um and consultation so so we can have these discussions with the government and ensure that um you know we don't kind of continue with business as usual Mm -hmm. and we really take advantage of this you know, once-in-a-generation opportunity yeah. to prevent the, the torture and ill-treatment and death of people in yeah. prison yeah. and it, police custody. It does sound like a really unique moment in time where this really has to be... We really need... Our governments really need to throw their weight behind this and implement it. And I, I know just from a, um, an average person in the community, it's very distressing to see the results of all these reports about people being tortured, people who are powerless and... 
um, in powerless situations of powerlessness, uh, being abused and tortured. It's it's distressing even to witness, let alone you know <laughs> be on the receiving end of it. So. I'm just wondering, um, we are coming near the, toward the end of the program, Andrea, is there anything our listeners can do to get our um, governments moving on this quick smart? So, as we all know, politicians do want to know what their constituents have to say about how they're um, kind of doing their work. So, um, I would definitely encourage people to, to write to their local member um, and particularly for uh, in the Victorian context, right to uh, Attorney General um, Attorney General Jacqueline Sines, mm-hmm. and really encourage her to to leave a legacy that she can be proud of mm. um, in terms of protecting people in custody. Um, and of course, because we're talking about joint responsibility, um, there's also an opportunity to to write to um, the Commonwealth Attorney General as well. Okay, that's great advice. Thank you. So we can all get onto our communications with Victorian and federal attorney generals. Thank you so much for coming on the program today, Andrea Lux, and telling us about this really crucial and important protocol that could help prevent torture in places of detention in in Australia well into the future. Thank you very much for um, having me on for this important discussion, (laughs) and I hope we... uh, we see some movement yeah, in this may- space very soon. M- maybe um, we can have you on the program again to track the progress in a few months. Absolutely. <laughs> thank that you. would be a pleasure. Oh, thank you, Andrea. Thank so, you. So we'll now go to community service announcement. Uh, Victor- I'll talk a little bit about COVID. Uh, Victorians have generally been doing a great job, I think, in keeping each other safe from the COVID virus. In Victoria, we certainly understand the importance of following the rules after all our lockdowns and the sacrifices we've made to look after each other, and it has been quite difficult. But with the latest outbreaks coming from New South Wales, we find ourselves in lockdown again in Victoria. So this means until next Tuesday midnight, there's a few things we have to do. Uh, which we'll be familiar with, of course, because we're revisiting a few things. Masks on indoors and outdoors, except for at home. Uh, travel, <coughs> excuse me, travel outside the home limited to five kilometres. No visitors to homes other than an intimate partner or one special nominated person. Um, and you can only leave the home for um, several reasons, to get food and supplies, exercising for up to two hours and no more than 5K from your home. Um, you can go out for care or caregiving, work or education if you can't do it from home or to get vaccinated. And that all applies till Tuesday, 20 July midnight. And hopefully if we all do our bit, It won't need to be extended. Thanks for listening to Think Again on 3CR Community Radio today. If you have any comments or suggestions for the program, you can email Borderlands, borders at borderlands.org.au. Our programs are available by podcast wherever you get your podcasts and via the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.